0: Well, good morning. I didn't put my mic on, so I'm gonna use this one. That work for you, Marco? All right. It might be a little combobulated here trying to manage everything in my hands, but hey, uh, glad you're here this morning. My name is Josh, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and we're in a series called More Than Enough, and we're looking at, uh, ultimately, really, some of the I Am statements of Jesus, And then also kind of going into the Psalms and to see how Jesus fulfills, uh, more than fulfills, some of the deepest needs that each of us have in our lives. So, so far we've looked at our need uh, need for direction and our need um, as well then, uh, what was last week? I'm drawing a blank. Somebody help me, you were here. Direction and, do you remember? Guidance, thank you. Man, I could use a little guidance today. And so with that, let me pray and uh, let the Holy Spirit guide me today. Um, Father, thanks for Jesus and thanks for your grace to us through him. Um, Lord, pray you would, uh, you'd guide our time together this morning and uh, you'd, you'd teach through me and uh, you'd even teach me as we look at your word today, Lord, and uh, the, the ways, Jesus, that you fulfill our need for protection and to be protected. Lord, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I I read a story this week of a guy who used to work at a visitor center out east. And at this visitor center, his boss had kind of some weird instructions for him, and really for anybody who worked there. At at this visitor center, like a lot of them, they had a guest book, and in the guest book, you were supposed to write uh, you know, your name and address and a comment, and so for the guys who worked there, the first thing they were supposed to do is uh, sign the guest book themselves when they came in, and leave a comment, and fill it totally out every morning. That was number one. The second thing that she always asked them to do was that uh, on each line it had this comment section, and so if somebody visited and they signed in, and then they didn't leave a comment, after they were left, then they were instructed to leave a comment for them, but to put a little dot by it so they would know who left the com- that the comment really wasn't one to be taken seriously, but it was one one of the employees made. Well, at one point, one of the employees asked the lady, she's like, he's like, well, why, why in the world do we do this? This is just kind of strange. It's, it's, is that, should we really be doing this? And she said, well, the reason we do it, she didn't hesitate, she said, it's because people are sheep. <laughs> She borrowed an analogy from Jesus. People are sheep and they follow whatever they see someone else doing in front of them. And so if you if you, if the name is filled out but there's no comment, guess what they're never going to leave a comment. And if the page is open and there's nobody who's ever signed in before, guess what they're never going to do? Sign in. Isn't that true? Do you remember back in the days when we had like this register that we would sign and have you pass down the row? This was like 10 years ago. Anybody remember those days? And uh, what would happen? If people in your row signed it, everybody signed it. But we would get books back that had uh, one or two or no signatures in it, and it was clearly a row. Uh, We did an experiment one time. We even put stickers in the books knowing where some of you always sit. And it didn't get passed, it never got signed. And no one in the row signed it. Why? Because we're all sheep. We all follow. Well, last week we looked at Psalm 23 and uh, we saw uh, the Lord is our shepherd. Well, this week in your 110 group, you're gonna be studying John chapter 10. And in John chapter 10, Jesus makes this statement He says in chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The shepherd, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. And one of the things that we didn't really get into last week in terms of the role of the shepherd in our lives is the way that the shepherd protects his sheep. And Jesus is our protector. He protects his sheep. He's the good shepherd, so much so that he actually lays down his life for his sheep. If you would read the rest of that passage through verse 15 of John chapter 10, uh, you would, Jesus is telling this parable and he, he talks about, he compares himself to, the good, to a shepherd, calls himself the good shepherd, who lays down his life for the sheep. But he said, there's others who come along that are simply hire, hirelings. They're just hired men. And when the sheep face danger, do you know what they do? They just go, oh, not my sheep, not my problem. They're not gonna chase them down at, at their own peril. But the shepherd will, right? Because he, as we saw last week, he has the most at stake. He's the one who's invested time and money and resources in the sheep. And so he's gonna do whatever he can to protect them. Well, the truth is that all of us want protection. Do you Do you want protection? Anybody? I do. I mean, I, want, I wanna be protected from certain things. I wanna be uh, protected uh, from, from hardship. I wanna be protected from, uh, from sickness. I wanna be protected from critics. I wanna be protected from fill in the blank, right? We, we all want protection from outside threats. That's why our nation has an army, because we wanna be protected. We wouldn't have an army if we didn't, didn't want to defend ourselves, would we? No, that's why we have an army. Uh, it, it's why we have a security system on the church during the week. So we can be protected from somebody coming in and and stealing things. It's why maybe you do on your home. It's why um, airlines have installed so many security measures. For those of us, when we flew to India, we went to India a couple weeks ago and when we flew back to the United States, we had to go through security like three or four times before we could get on that final plane that actually took us back to the US. Why? For protection. There was actually security right at the gate before we got on the plane even, leaving Dubai. Uh, We want protection of our homes, so that's why you, did you lock your door when you left this morning? I freaked some of you out, didn't I? Did did you forget to put your garage door down? Why do you do that? Do you wanna protect your things? You want protection, that's, you want protection for your future, that's why you invest in a 401K. That's why you have insurance. That's why uh, you trust in a government program, some of you, of all things, called social security. Somebody joked around one time, and they said, well, the funny thing is about social security is it's not enough money to be social, because uh, I don't have a social life now, and it, it certainly isn't secure, so I don't know why they call it social security. But in our hunt for protection, we gotta understand that we're not gonna find it in government, We're not gonna find it in a political leader. We're not gonna find it in our health. We're not gonna find it in our bank account. Um, Certainly not gonna find it in social security. It's only in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the one who lays down his life for his sheep. Helen Keller is quoted as saying that security is really mostly a superstition. It doesn't exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experiencing it. experience it. Avoiding danger is not safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or it's nothing. And I think she's right. That our security, our quest for protection, sometimes causes us to search for it in wrong places. Oftentimes it does. And God's created us needing protection so that, not that we would look to those other things, but that so that we would look to the good shepherd, so that we would look to Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at another psalm. You can turn there if you'd like to Psalm uh, 91, Psalm 91, and it's really probably the ultimate psalm speaking of God's protection, I'm going to pray, and then uh, we're going to just kind of slowly make some observations and unpack this psalm and look at aspects of God's protection and the way that Jesus ultimately is the good shepherd who protects us. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for Jesus, and thanks for your grace to us through him. Lord, I I thank you that you are good, that you do love us, that you care for us uh, because we're helpless on our own. And uh, we tend to follow the crowd. We tend to uh, wander off into weird things and in weird directions. And yet you always bring us back and you love us and you provide for us and you protect us sometimes even uh, from ourselves. So teach us this morning. I pray about your protection. Even teach me and help us to put our trust primarily in you. Not that we wouldn't uh, be wise about other things in our life, like preparing for the future with investments or other things like that, but that that at a heart level, we would know our ultimate security isn't in anything on this earth, but Jesus, it's in you. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 91. Psalm 91 begins like this. It says, uh, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. What do you notice in that verse, in those two verses? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Isn't it curious, I, I love how the psalmist works because, and, and throughout the whole Psalter, all of the psalms, such imagery that, that really paints a picture for us that otherwise we don't think about. We, we think about God maybe uh, as being our protector, as being our refuge. We've heard some of these things, but, if, but the imagery that he uses sometimes is really helpful for us and our, our sheep brains to, to, to figure out what he's talking about and to truly understand it. Uh, I'll say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress. What do you think of when you think of a fortress? Think of a castle, right? You think of something big and strong and a place of safety and high walls and uh, total protection from the enemy, right? Maybe even up on a hill. Uh, Maybe with some protection around it on the outside. Uh, Guards and towers watching over. And the psalmist says, that's what my God is like. God is my refuge and my fortress. He's, he's my fortress. What about refuge? What do you think of when you think of refuge? You ever been in just a terrible weather and a terrible downpour? I mean, like where it's like pelting you on your face so much that it hurts. And what do you, what do you want more than anything? You want refuge. You want a shelter. You want somewhere to hide from the rain. And that's, that's what the psalmist is saying, that God is a refuge. He's a place for us to hide, to find safety. Uh, a, a, place, a, a place of refuge is one where whatever it is that's attacking you can't get you, right? Otherwise, it's not really a place of refuge, is it? And so the first observation I might make with you about God's protection is that it is unassailable. God's protection is unassailable, Now, now notice who he protects. He protects his children, right? He protects those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High. They'll abide in the shadow of the Almighty. They're in his shadow. They're behind him. He's taking the lead. He's protecting them. And there's no way anything is getting through him to attack and hurt you uh, that would somehow defeat him first, right? He's your refuge and your shelter and your fortress. He Martin Luther wrote a, does that hymn come to anybody else's mind? Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. How does, how does the verse go? A mighty fortress is our God, uh, what? A bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amidst the flood of mortal ills, he's prevailing, right? Uh, he's, he's, he's never failing those who would dwell in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, I was was an older brother. I wasn't a younger brother, right? I was the oldest of four. I have three younger brothers, and um, there's a couple times I can remember with with Adam kind of stepping in into a fight for him and kind of, but I remember even better than that, I think I've told this story before, is, is my dad. My dad was a big man. He was a couple inches taller than me and he was big. I mean, he, about the stature of, of Tim Stiffor, that, that was my dad. He was just he was a big guy, and you wouldn't, you didn't want to mess with him, right? Well, at one time I was a little kid, I think I told this story. I was up at the fairgrounds, the county fair was in our small town, and I was up playing video games, and I had taken my little brother's new bike, which was really cool and I was riding it, underneath the grandstand was the arcade, and I rode, rode his bike in there, and I, I went up to, you know, and this other, you know, I was sitting there watching him play Pac-Man or something, I don't know, and this other kid is just kind of mouthy, got in my face, what do you got your bike in here for? He's a few years older than me, and I didn't really answer him, I was kind of short and pudgy and shy, and I didn't really say anything, and finally he just, he kept getting in my face, He's he was just being a jerk, and then he, he slugged me, and I ended up with a black eye, And I remember riding my bike home and uh, I don't know, maybe a mile or so across town and and got home. And I remember just being a little woozy and it must've been a Saturday because my dad was home and uh, he's like, what, what happened? And as you know, I was tearful and I told him what had happened. He's like, all right, well, let's go. And so he, he put me in his truck and we drove up to the fair and we went in and then he went up and confronted this kid, said, Hey, uh, did you punch my son? Do you know where I stood? <laughs> I, I stood in the shadow of the Almighty in this case. <laughs> See, that's what God is like. He's your protector. And there, listen, if you're behind him, nobody's, uh, nobody's going to get to you. His protection is unassailable. It's perfect. Uh, The fact that it calls him, the psalmist calls him the most high, indicates his sovereignty, that he is high and above every other power. Almighty reveals his strength, and uh, the Lord identifies his salvation. And he protects us simply because it's his nature. He's our protector and our comforter. And and what's really cool is this one who is almighty and most high and who protects you is your friend. Jesus uses that tender language of, I'm the good shepherd, and I care for my sheep. And as you study it this week, as you keep going in, in John 10, you'll find out that uh, he doesn't lose any of the sheep that he's been given. He knows them all by name and he protects them and loves them to the very end. Isn't that good news? So his protection is unassailable. Uh, and so like the psalmist, we should put our trust in him. He says at the end of verse two, in whom I trust. Well, look at, let, let's keep reading here, verses three and four. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Now, if you're like me, there's a few words there that I don't use every day. Fowler, that's probably the first time I've said it, other than the last time I read this psalm. Or pinions, do you use that, that that phrase or that word a lot? Buckler, ah, yeah, so what are these things? Well, uh, it says, first, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. The fowler is simply a hunter. He's going to deliver you from his trap, from his snare. The, the fowler wants to, to catch the bird, right? To catch the fowl. And, uh, and the Lord will deliver you from that snare. Do, do you know you have somebody hunting you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ? Peter tells us that, that he uh, lurks around like a lion waiting to attack his prey and he's just ready to pounce at any moment, right? And and the psalmist tells us that the Lord will deliver you from that snare. In fact, if you're ever faced with temptation, what does Jesus promise that uh, that you, and, and Paul does as well, that you would uh, be released and be free if you resist the devil? James says he'll flee from you. And uh, if you, he won't give you more than you can bear. So in, in the face of temptation, trust the Lord. Put your trust in him. He'll deliver you from that temptation. Amen? He's the, he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. In other words, just deadly disease that would kill you. What, what is the deadly pestilence that, that affects each of us? Our sin, right? It, it's, it's killing us, literally, and, and the Lord frees you from that. He'll cover you with his pinions. That, that word uh, means like the edge of his wing or his feathers. Um, I didn't, maybe a lot of you are smarter than me. I didn't know that. But that's what it refers to. In other words, he's gonna put his arm around you and hide you and care for you. In fact, it says under his wings, you will find refuge. And his faithfulness, look at his faithfulness. It's a shield and a buckler. A buckler is simply like a a type of shield. Because he's so faithful, he's always going to protect you. Well, the the thing I see here is that in God's arms, then, uh, a buckler is a shield you wear on your arm, is is safety. In God's arms, there's safety. His protection is unassailable, and in his arms, there's safety. Notice some of the things, again, there in verse 3 and 4 that the psalmist says we have protection for. Those those subtle traps, right? The hunter's net. Your translation might even stay rather than the snare of the fowler. It's just traps that are lying wait for us that we talked about that the enemy would put before us. Uh, Or even uh, catastrophic happenings or unforeseen events, everyday misfortunes. Whatever it is you're facing, God is your protection. Do you believe that? That there's safety with him? Now, here's what this psalm doesn't promise. It doesn't promise that you're never going to face things that are incredibly hard in life. It doesn't promise that uh, everything is just going to go perfect and wonderful and great for you. It doesn't promise you're never going to face sickness. It doesn't promise you're never going to face loss. What it promises is that God will be your protection through all of it and your eternal protection we're going to see here in a moment. His protection isn't, oftentimes it is for the moment, but still sometimes he allows these things to happen in our lives to continually shape us to be more like his Son. And I shared a quote, uh, I don't remember who with this week, maybe it was at our 110 group. Uh, it was a quote from Pastor Rick Warren that I have written on my, on my wall in my office, and it's uh, he says, you know, if God's primary objective is to make you like his son, he may have to take you through some things his son went through. You thought about that? That maybe he allows some of those things to happen simply to shape you and to mold you. It's not because he's not protecting you, it's because he's He's interested in molding your heart. And he trust me, his, his protection for you eternally is unassailable. There's nothing to fear. In fact, let's keep reading. Look at verse five. Uh, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Now notice in here in verses five and six, he, he's kind of contrasting uh, night and day, right? In verse five he says, you won't fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Then he goes back to night, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. What do you see here about God's protection? It's 24-7, 365. If you need to know what those numbers mean, ask your neighbor, they'll help you. It's 24-7, 365, right? All day, every hour of every day, 365 days a year and 366 in leap years. It's all the time, it's unending. His protection, that's what the psalmist is communicating here by talking about night and then day, and then darkness and then noonday, is that, uh, that God's protection is around the clock. Some of the, some of the Psalm, psalms uh, say that he doesn't faint or grow weary. Isn't that good news? That God never faints and never grows weary? Because I don't know about you, but I get tired. When I get tired, I, I get lazy and I get grumpy and I don't wanna do anything and I make stupid choices or just uninformed. You know, I, I get tired and I get worn out. Do you? I just need to sleep. Isn't it curious God made us that we have to sleep? You can't live without sleep. Eventually you'll die. Literally you will, eventually. You need sleep to function. Well, why would he do that? Well, maybe it's so that we would rely on his protection, the one who never sleeps and never slumbers. Psalm 121, uh, we preached through this psalm a couple summers ago. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you, Psalm 121 uses, maybe you study that this week, it uses the word keeps over and over and over. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. There's a really good quote by Victor Hugo. He wrote the the book Les Mis. He was a French author in the 1800s. I think he wrote Hunchback of Notre Dame and some others. And he has this quote where he talks about uh, trusting God and making you know uh, trusting His peace. Um, He says, at the end of the day, you can go to sleep in peace because God is awake. Isn't that good news? I like that. I just like that thought. Go to sleep in peace. God's awake. You don't need to stay up worrying or fretting about the future. Just, just go to sleep in peace. God's awake. He's gonna take care of it. Um, so God's protection is 24-7, 365. I hope that's freeing to you and would free you maybe from some anxiety about the future or about, What's going to happen? Listen, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his protection is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we've seen that his protection is unassailable, that in his arms there's safety, that it's uh, 24-7, 365, around the clock. Let's keep reading in verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but... It will not come near you. Excuse me. He's building on the terror and the destruction and the pestilence and the arrows that he just talked about in verses five and six, right? He says, listen, you might be in the middle of it and a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. In fact, you will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Well, How does that work? Well, he tells you in verse nine, he says, because you've made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. God's protection, in other words, here's what I want to show you here in a minute, is it's eternal. It's eternal. And see, look at verse 7 What he says, he says, Though a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, it won't come near you. Now I said this this psalm doesn't promise protection from every ill and every uh, sorrow in life, but it does promise protection for you eternally if you trust Jesus Christ. And Jesus promises that for you as the good shepherd who lays his life down for you. Not that sorrow would never come your way, but that eternal sorrow will never touch you. And though a 1,000 may fall by your side and 10,000 by your right hand, it will never touch you. God's wrath, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, will never touch you. Isn't that great news? His wrath for sin won't touch you because it's been poured out fully on Jesus Christ for you. It won't, it won't touch you. In fact, look at what verse eight says. It says, you will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. You won't experience it. You may see it, but you will never experience it. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, uh, your sin is completely paid for. You, you may experience consequences for it, right? But you won't experience God's wrath for it. You won't. That's why the, 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 this is one of many verses that really contradicts the Catholic teaching of purgatory that somehow after I die, I have to go and continue to pay off some of the wrath that's left for my sin before I can get to heaven. No, 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 no. You'll only see it with your eyes, the recompense of the wicked. That phrase is one that Jesus picks up in, in Revelation chapter 22. He says, behold, I'm coming soon and I'm bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. He's gonna repay those who have done evil, who haven't trusted him, who haven't put their faith in him. And Jesus is the one, he's the good shepherd who protects you. He, he lays down his life for you, but then guess what? He takes care of all the enemies. And one day he's coming soon with his recompense, he says in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Oh, keep reading here in the psalm. Here's why you will only see it is if you've made the Lord your dwelling place because you've made him your dwelling place. Have you trusted Jesus Christ? Not have you gone to church your whole life? That's a different question, right? You can, go to, you can, you can sit here, you can sing on the worship team, you can serve in ministry your, your whole life and not know Jesus Christ. You can do all the churchy things, right? You can give thousands and 10,000s and hundreds of thousands of dollars to the Lord and to church. Listen, it's, it's not good enough. The way you become a Christian isn't going to church, it's making the Lord your dwelling place, trusting Jesus, putting your faith in Him, as He said back in, in verse 2 in whom you trust. Is your trust in Jesus or in you? Put it in Jesus Christ. It, listen, if it's not in Jesus, then guess what? None of these promises apply to you. None of them apply to you if you haven't put your faith in Jesus. Would you trust him? Turn to him in faith? This week, we had a funeral this week for Catherine Beer, uh, one of, if not the oldest member of our church, right? She had passed away, and it was so clear of all the stories that were shared that day of her faith in Jesus Christ and the way that it was evidenced to so many others, and the gospel was clear. Listen, have you put your trust in him? That day's coming for you and for I. It might be this week. Maybe my funeral will be preached here later this week. I don't know. I don't know. But is your faith in Jesus Christ? Listen, if it is, I'll be more alive than I've ever been before. Right? it will be a sad day for, uh, well, for some of you, maybe not everybody. it will be a sad day, for sure, leaving my family behind, But but right, I'll be more alive than I ever have been before. Why, because uh, I've made the Lord my dwelling place, and though a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 on my right side, his wrath won't come near me. Death is simply a transition into eternity, into his eternal protection, amen? Is it for you? Trust him. See, look at, look at this promise then of the ways that he'll protect you. Uh, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Verse 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. The idea that, you know, it gets promoted about having a guardian angel. Yeah, I don't really see that anywhere in scripture. But what is in scripture is that God uh, spiritually protects you. There are angels who care for us and protect God's people. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The adder, uh, literally, that's a, a horned viper in the Hebrew. This, and if Google the image of that thing this week, he's got like horns. I mean, he looks like the the cartoon version of Satan. I mean, it's. But what's clear, right? Well, whose head will Jesus crush? The serpent. And that's why, see, this is an offer of protection for you and for I, but it's also a reference to Jesus Christ, ultimately. In fact, Satan himself, when he's tempting Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, quotes this verse, doesn't he? He quotes it, and he's like, uh, he quotes Jesus uh, to, to, to jump off the temple, right? And he says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, On their hands, they'll bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And how does Jesus reply? Jesus understood the meaning of this verse, that it isn't a promise for God to protect you from consequences of dumb decisions like jumping off the temple mount. It's to protect you uh, from evil and from his wrath. Jesus replies with, with God's word, And God's word is a source of protection for you to to memorize his word, to to put it in your heart. So these last three verses then, and really kind of the first two, I think, in this psalm, really tell us how, how you attain this protection. And I've already covered this first one. It's that you repent. You need to repent and trust Jesus Christ with your life. Or none of these promises, none of them apply to you. Uh, In Acts 17, 30 and 31, verse 30 uh, says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Tell me, who does that include? All means all. Everywhere means where? Everywhere. So are you one of the all people, and are you somewhere that would be included in everywhere? Yeah, and so am I. So that that first step is to repent, to repent. and turn. Repentance, all all it means is it means I turn from me, I turn from my sin, and I turn to Jesus Christ. It's a fancy church word. It's a Greek word, metanoia, that means a change of mind, and I'm seeing things the way God sees it. I'm turning to Jesus. Over and over in Scripture, it talks about repenting. And, And many of you have, but I would guess in a crowd this size, there are still many who haven't. So I'll say it again, repent and trust Jesus. And then these next three are really the the three simple steps of, in a sense, I guess you could say maybe activating God's protection in your life. First is to reside, to reside. Look back at at verse one, and then we'll um, we'll look forward to verses 14 through 16. Verse one, he said, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. To reside with God means... uh, to live with him, alongside him. If somebody resides in your home, they're probably spending the night, right? To reside. One who abides is another word. Uh, To stay with, to walk with God. Are you you continually practicing and understanding his presence? Maybe you need to set up some markers in your mind, right? Uh, On my way to work when I pass this sign, I'm gonna remember God's goodness to me and I'm gonna pray for my family. I'm gonna do whatever that is. Or I know, I know a guy who every day on his way home from work when he passed a certain light pole, he would start praying and he would ask God to turn his mind off of work and turn his mind onto his family. And maybe you would do that in terms of just practicing residing with him, abiding with him daily throughout the day. You do that by studying his word. That's the next one here is to rest to reside with God, to rest in God, in Jesus. In other words, to dwell with him. See, he he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. To rest. One of the things Charlie likes to do lately, I'm always telling you stories about Charlie, he likes to grab this blanket and go up on the couch with his little curious George sippy cup of milk you know, if we're, sitting, if we're sitting there watching TV, he'll climb up behind, between us and he'll grab this blanket and pull it up on him and then he'll say, cozy. <laughs> he just wants to get cozy and to rest and sit by Anna or I. He's starting to get really sweet. And uh, that's the idea, right? You pull up your blanket, you pull up your sippy cup next to the Lord and just cozy and you just rest with him. You abide with him, you, you rest in his word, in prayer. The third thing uh, is to trust him, or to rely on God. We'll keep with our R's here. Rely on him. In, in verse two, it says, I will, I, we've read this already, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Trust means we're to depend on him, to rely on him. When you really totally trust someone, you're depending on them to carry the load, right? Look how you see, I think you see all of these things show themselves then as the psalmist closes the psalm in verses 14 through 16. Because he holds, and this is, this is the Lord speaking then, and, and giving more promises to you of protection. Because he holds fast to me in love. In other words, because you've repented, because you're residing with him, resting with him, relying on him, because of those things, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen? The Lord is your protector, and that protection comes through Jesus Christ. He's the good shepherd. Trust him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus, and thank you for your grace to us through him and your protection of us in him. Jesus, thank you that you did lay down your life for us and that uh, that you care for us more deeply than we could ever care for ourselves. Um, Remind us of that, Lord, when we still face the trials and tribulations of this life, that it isn't. Uh, because you, your protection has somehow failed or your care for us has somehow wandered. Um, it's, it's really a consequence of sin, and the reality is that you'll use those things, and sometimes you even allow them to shape us and make us more like Jesus. Thank you that, that this life is so short and so temporary, and one day we'll be with you for eternity. I pray for those who've never trusted you Lord, I pray today that they might repent and turn from their sin, Jesus, and turn to you. You're a good shepherd and you love them so much. Give them courage to turn from themselves and turn to you. I pray this all in Jesus' name.